Today's episode of Winging It on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Just like basketball, the game of life is unpredictable. Talk to a State Farm agent and get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. Vince, speaking of unexpected, that's exactly what we're living right now, being self-quarantined. But um, just talk about how unexpected it was that night, if at all, when you found out the NBA season was being suspended. For sure, unexpected uh, on the drive over for the game. uh, Definitely had no clue that would potentially be my final game and our final game uh, you know, for the time being. So it was just kind of the unknown and the unexpected and just figure out day by day, week by week, how, how do you, how do you handle the situation and when do we resume play? Get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. Talk to a State Farm agent today. Welcome into Winging It, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm your host, Annie Finberg, as always, joined by number 15, Mr. Vince Carter. BC in the house. And we are so excited because today we are joined by the executive director of the National Basketball Players Association, Michelle Roberts. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. We're so glad we were able to work this out. How's it going over there for you? You're in New York, right? Oh my God, yes. Um, I guess I guess it could be worse, but it's it's pretty bad. It's sort of sad, but you know we're hanging in there. How are you staying healthy? Have you been staying inside mostly, or getting any fresh air? A little bit of both. Um, I try to get out every day early um, before you know, people traffic starts up, so I can get out. It's not, not bad. People here, at least in my neighborhood, are respecting the social distancing recommendations so i get out not as much exercise as i should have but staying sane so i'm good i can imagine what it looks like uh you know every time you think of new york and you think of traffic so Mm -hmm. i'm curious if it's like still gridlock you know well you know i live in harlem and the and we work obviously our offices are in midtown the last time i was in midtown which has now been about 10 days it was eerie. And now when I watch on television midtown, um, there's virtually no people traffic. There's very little traffic. It's, it's, it's not even New York, right? I mean, New York is normally this back to back tourists. And so it's not, it's not, it's not the city I've known for all of my life, which I guess is not the worst thing in the world. Right. And I think we can kind of just jump right into how things I'm sure have been crazy for you as far as work goes, how, um, you know, the league was suspended. What was that? March 11th. How have things changed for you since that? It's hard to even remember what normal looked like. I haven't seen a game obviously since March 11th. Um, I have probably more contact with players, um, vis-a-vis phone or text or email now than I ever had understandably guys want to know what's going on and they want updates. Um, and so I, the, I guess the silver lining is I have much more contact with my players, but the, you know, the bad news is that they're losing their minds too. I mean, no one's playing, no one can do anything other than guess when we might, if we might resume play. It's just so difficult to be of value when you just don't know, you know what tomorrow is going to bring. So I'm on the phone nonstop. I've got you know, 12 or 15 calls a day, some of them shorter than others, some of them really long. I'm responding to emails and texts throughout the night. 
it's, it's not conducive to getting a lot of sleep. Let's put it that way. I can imagine, you know, the, the number of calls you're getting, you know, like you said, and most of them, I'm assuming a lot of them being from, well, half our league is young guys, but a lot of the young guys who are kind of going through it, who are now getting the opportunity to make a lot of money. And, you know, when you hear that, oh, money might be cut back and when do we resume play and or will we resume play and all of these things. So I can imagine in their minds, you know, going through their first year or maybe their you know, first or second year now feeling comfortable about the NBA and all of a sudden became a hulk. I can just imagine the questions and, and how many phone calls, you know, all of you guys are, are, are receiving from that. Oh yeah, my staff is. I mean, the, you know, the good the good news is that employers at least feel that they can contact us to get information. So we're not complaining about the calls, um, but there are a lot of them. And you're right, Vince. You know this better than better than certainly us. Um, for these guys, for many of these guys, this is the first time in their lives, in their young lives, that they've not been playing ball. Right? I mean, just not been involved in competition for any lengthy period of time. You'll recall the old, you know, the old lockouts when guys weren't able to play. But even then, during the lockouts, you could still go out and play. Still yeah. mm -hmm. Now, guys can't go out and play. They don't get any, they're not supposed to, and they don't try to do team sports. Um, and this is just a completely different reality for these guys. So, you know, we try to keep them busy with with other things that they can be spending time on. A lot of guys are watching film. A lot of guys are you know, doing social media. Without being able to go out there and play, it's very, very tough for our guys. They want to get back on the court. And I think in the reality, with that being said, I think the reality of it is just, I, you know, with anything, there's only so much you can do, um, you know, before you're just like, all right, that's enough. What's next? What's next? You know, because I know how our mind goes and it tells the race. And, and back and forth, and you're just used to the up and down pace of the game. So when you're sitting here now, twiddling your fingers, sitting at home <laughs> in your apartment, you know, for guys who are in apartments and, you know, yeah. can't really go and see your your parents for some guys, you know, all of these different things. I, I can just imagine for the guys who are single and don't have the family, like, you know, I have kids running around and, you know, this, that, or so. <laughs> it, it's, it's a different chaotic process around here but you know i can't imagine for for some of the young guys who are uh or like i said just young in an apartment in a city where you know maybe they like it like that where there's a lot to do but now you mm -hmm. can't do it or otherwise yeah it's just a, it's a, a trying time if you're in new york you know with the best restaurants in the world right and, and and best museums in the world and all these things you can do to occupy yourself they're still here you just can't do them and so, yeah, a whole lot of Netflix, I think, is uh, is occupying a whole lot of time for guys. But it's really, really tough. Um, our international players, um, many of them are here without family, and and, and they, if they, even if they were able to go home, they're concerned about the quality of medical care and whether they can come back if we resume the season. It's just. Um, it's a remarkably difficult time. I think overall the guys are, are holding up well. I mean, we, we all are, are attempting to be optimistic about the games possibly resuming. Um, the nightmare would be if we had to go through all of this and then we still couldn't get back to, to, to playing games. Um, but, you know, hope springs eternal, as they say. That is definitely true. Hopefully the everyone here will be able to be partaking in basketball soon. I want to go back to that day, March 11th, when the league decided to suspend the season. And just can you walk us through what that day was like for you? I'm sure you were corresponding with the commissioner, Adam Silver, quite a bit and kind of how that decision came down and how you were involved in it. 
you know, remarkably, um, or coincidentally, I don't know, that same day, we were in meetings with the league to talk about what if scenarios. And, and one of the things we obviously had been talking about and that that meeting discussed was you know, what happens, not if, but when one of our players tests positive. I mean, given the, the, the way that the virus was spreading, it would have been not, yeah, I knew it was going to happen. We knew it was going to happen, and, but we just didn't know it was going to happen that night, right? So it was understood that if it, when it happened, that we would probably have to stop playing games just to figure out just where we were. I mean, at that time, nobody was being tested. And lo and behold, I, I guess I must have just walked in the door because I wanted to watch uh, Chris play. And my phone was blown up. One of the people on the phone was Chris Paul, who said, what's going on? They just told us to, to go back in the locker room. And at the same time, I'm getting a phone call from, from the league uh, advising me that a player tested positive. So I mean, at that point, it was clear what was going to happen. We, were gonna, we had to take care of our guys. We had to take care of our fans. We had to take care of the staff. And we didn't know if 40 guys had, had tested positive or if it was just, the, just, just one. So it, it, it was there was a no-brainer at that point. The games had to stop. The only question was with whether we would stop them all. Um, and you know this, Vince. Teams are playing all over the place. You know, who did Utah play before? And who, who played the team that Utah played before that? So there was no way to get our arms around it by picking and choosing games that could go forward. They just had to stop. And it was made within a nanosecond of the, of the first positive test. That was the easy part. This is the hard part figuring out if and when we can get back to play. But we always knew that the minute a guy tested positive, we had to stop, stop play. And did you expect kind of the impact that the league had on the rest of sports? You know, I know we saw, you know, pretty much right after the the NBA decided to suspend the season um, slowly, you know, different, you know, Pac-12, Big 12, those kinds of teams before the NCAA made the decision. But did you expect it to have such a great impact on, you know, kind of the world of sports? I have to I admit I'm somewhat biased. I, I, I actually believe that our sport is the smartest sport. And so because I don't think we make dumb decisions most of the time, sometimes, but not, not most of the time, it was clearly the right decision. And it occurred to me immediately that in any other sport, how do you make a different decision? Right. I mean, if you really care about health and safety, then there was only one way to go. Um, and so, no, I, I wasn't surprised. I was surprised that some, some sports took longer than I would have expected that they did. But I, I knew, I believed at least, and I guess I was right. that ultimately uh, the sports world was just going to have to come to a halt. It's crazy. I think that, you know, we saw a lot of people not wanting to make that decision that I think Adam Silver decided to make when it came to, you know, like you said, some sports took too long. Were there any ones that stand out to you that you feel like just were lagging on making a decision? I, I thought the first sport, because it was closest to us, uh, was NCAA. I could not fathom how, given the same health concerns that we had with respect to playing in, a, in an arena, and they play in the same arena as we do you know, pretty much, how they could come to any different conclusion. I, I just could not for one second figure out how they thought they could do something different and not uh, risk exposing both their players, uh, staffs and fans to this virus. And so I, I, I was, I was shocked that they took as long as they did. I would have imagined that certainly within days after the, the league did what it did, that it would have done the same thing. And, and I, I, I was, I watched with some dismay that the, the 
clearly futile efforts to try to salvage salvage March Madness. Look, I love college ball. I wanted to see the games too. But at the end of the day, if we're talking about you know, people's health and safety, that, I was disappointed, let's put it that way, that they took as long as they did. It seemed like everyone was applauding the commissioner, um, Adam Silver, for making that decision. Did you see? Did you speak with him about it at all when it came to making that choice and kind of like the leadership he showed when he decided to suspend the season? Oh, yeah, I, mean, I talked to Adam all the time. We had, like, again, we had a meeting that earlier that day, and it was sort of a, a given that we would have to take that route. Um, and when he pulled, when he pulled the plug, one of the calls that I was sort of managing as I walked into my apartment that night was from Adam, who and he knew that the answer was, of course, we support the decision, but just letting me know that, that that's what he elected to do, and that was consistent with the. But the conversations we'd had, as I said, just as recently as, as the, earlier that afternoon. So, you know, I mean, I, I, look, I always tease Adam. I don't want you to think I like you that much, but he is. You know, he's a smart guy and he does overall make, make good decisions. Um, and that was a good one. That was absolutely the right one. Yeah, I think for us as players, it didn't come to us as, as a shot. And, you know, you, mm-hmm. you hear, OK, the games, the games are, are just as postponed or suspended. And, you know, at first you're like, man, you know, this is unfortunate. And after a while, when, when we're educated, because for us as the players on that day of the 11th, we found out at halftime. Right, right. You know, as everyone in the stands who are hearing the news and as news pops up are being educated on, you know, the severity and so on and so forth, we're still, <laughs> and, you know, we hear about it. And we, you know, we hear about the unfortunate, you know, thing. And as we gain more information, that same question, well, because we were, we were prepped for it, you know, if there if it was a player, then, uh, you know, of course, it's the team and who did they play prior to it, so on and so forth. So, and it was the domino effect of that. So it, it was just so, for me personally, as, as, you know, you hear, you know, I guess my situation is a little different than everyone else's. But as 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 a player in general, you're like, man, you know, there's 15 games for us left, you know. You, we're, we're, a lot of teams are playing for positions and so on and so forth stressing how important it is to stay safe, stay home and just be smart. So, uh, you know, it seems like everybody's buying in. Yeah. I think had we paid more attention earlier, and I think had there been a, a, a national or political response that had warned us earlier, then it wouldn't have seemed as sudden. Um, but we, everything, and it's still, hap- it's still happening this way. It's every day, every hour, there's something else we had to t- take into consideration. So, you know, even as, even as I sat in in, in the league's offices that day, knowing that, knowing that some player was going to test and knowing that we'd have to shut the games down, I still thought we were a month away. I honestly did. I thought, well, probably be happening in a couple of weeks as this thing spreads, completely underestimating how, how quickly it spread. Um, But if you had asked me if I walked, when I walked out that office that day, when it was likely going to be the case that a, t- a player would test positive, I would have said eh, probably in a few weeks or a month as this thing spreads. You know, who knew, <laughs> right? Who knew? And if I'm not wrong, was Chris Paul was in the game that was suspended right before he called you? Yeah, okay, so he was playing Utah. So you said he called you pretty much right away. What was that conversation with Chris Paul like? I knew some. I knew something was wrong because Chris is doesn't call on. He barely calls on game day let alone like seconds before a game. This guy's as competitive as they come. And so when I saw his name on my phone, I, I knew something horrible happened. I mean, right? He just didn't call, but he's about to tip off. And it was, Michelle, what's going on? 
uh, because they were, they were literally being told, get off the court. Uh, they had apparently just found out about the positive result of the Utah player, and they were they wanted to separate the players. Um, I think at one point, I, a couple of seconds after I, I turned on my TV, I saw some film of Chris walking towards the Utah bench to find out what was going on and then pulling him away. So he he, he was um, like like everybody else, and then I'm on the phone with him trying to figure out what's going on. And then I'm you know, seeing all these other calls coming out. Sadly, I had two different phones. And so both phones were going nuts and you know, Adam's name showed up and that was useful because then I could get confirmation um, as opposed to saying, let me find out. Ah, there's Adam. Okay. Adam, what the hell's going on? And he, and he told me, he told me, and then we were able to get, get it to other players. But I, I wish, and I, I'll blame, I'll blame myself for this. And I'll blame Adam too. We should have known that this was going to happen and got guys ready so that it wouldn't be the case, okay, well, somebody's, somebody's tested positive. What does that mean? Players had the right, and we had the, we had the responsibility to let them know that when this happens, this is the plan. We did think we had some weeks before we had to roll that out, um, and you know, we, didn't, we didn't. We were wrong. We didn't have weeks. We, 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 didn't, we had hours, and you know, at the end of the day, our players seemed to be in pretty good physical shape. Um, thank God. And I crossed my fingers that I've not heard about anybody who's tested positive being in any significant distress. And what's, what's of paramount importance, um, I think we're, we're, we're in pretty good shape. Mom. Guys are healthy. Uh, people are fine. Definitely good to see no one with any severe symptoms, most of the guys being asymptomatic that tested positive. So yeah, there's obviously not a good side of any of this, but the, the brighter side of this is that we've been able to see a lot of leadership out of the NBA players, young and old, you know, ranging from Zion to, um, you know, Luca and Giannis and everyone stepping up and helping to take care of their communities. How valuable has that been for you to see that leadership? Oh, it just, it just reminds me of why I, I have been so proud of working for these men. You know, I, I, and Bits knows this, I don't prompt players. Players do what they want to do, and I take my lead from them. So it's not as if you know, the NBPA put out a, a memo saying, please show philanthropy. Not at all. I mean, our players always on their own begin the process of saying, okay, this is my community. What can I do? We're trying to catch up. Um, and so seeing them do this is not at all surprising to me. They've been doing it ever since Certainly, I've been working for them, and well before that, I'm really proud of these guys, and I and I'm never disappointed in how much they appreciate their responsibility to their communities and their and their desire to just be a part of uh, supporting their communities. So, I, I, whenever I hear about it, I retweet it. I, I give a guy a text. That's great. And this is what NBA players do, and I'm and I'm proud of them. And not asking you to pick favorites at all, but was there anyone that kind of stood out to you more than the other that you were, you know, kind of blown away with what they were doing for their community? I, and, and there, I had no favorites. I mean, I, I, I don't want to even call his name. I saw one guy who's not one of the most highly paid players, but he was just at a food bank. I mean, he just he just showed up at a food bank, not with a check, but with himself and some gloves, and and, and that's what he was doing. I only found out about it. He's not, again, not somebody who most people would even know about, but I follow all our players. And so somebody tweeted up a picture of him at this food bank. This is not even a kid that has a whole lot of followers, but somebody in this community tweeted a picture of him at this food bank. And since I, you know, I, I've tried to follow all our players, I it ended up on my Twitter feed and I saw it 
And I remember thinking, I probably wasn't even sure I, I, could, I could recognize this kid because he's not someone that's you know, one of our marquee guys. But the next time I see him, assuming it's safe, I will give him a hug <laughs> and let him, know, let him know how proud I am of him. But no, I mean, there's nothing, there's no act of philanthropy that's too small. And so I'm proud of all of them. And that's what I wanted to say. You know, I, I feel that, you know, you know, with the pressures of the community, because, you know, the NBA players make a lot of money. Some of the young guys and or players in general feel the pressure of having to do something, you know, and, and I think it's important, you know, especially hearing you say that, you know, the, the contribution doesn't have to be a large amount. Your time is in your voice. That's as important as, as rich and fruitful as anything. And I, I think for me, I'd rather see any guy educate themselves on what's going on before they donate or anything, because I think your knowledge or the little bit of knowledge that you gain in this is just as important and just don't put your name behind a bunch of money putting out just so that's what I, I like to see. And, and, and it was, you know, for me, I, I don't know, it's, maybe it's weird, but just to kind of see guys eventually coming out. And I mean, maybe I'm thinking for them, but maybe these people are, you know, players are educating themselves on what's going on before they just want to say, Hey, I'm donating $500,000 to whatever, whatever, whatever. They understanding what's going on, what's needed. Yeah. A couple of the players that um, tested who were infected are actually in, in doing something I think is incredibly significant. They are allowing them, their, their antibodies to be used to insert in serology tests to see if they can. And anyone who's tested positive, that there's something in their blood that will help develop a vaccine. I mean, I, no one has to do that. right? No one has to do that. But these guys have said, you know, if I can be of service in that respect, I mean, and I, I, I think that's just fabulous. And I'm really proud of those men for doing that. I'm, I'm happy to report. I'm not surprised because you know, Vince, you're, this brotherhood of yours is an, is an amazing brotherhood. And I'm just proud to be a part, a part of the, those of us, those who can, can help serve that brotherhood. Yeah. And speaking of that, I saw uh, Marcus Smart is one of those people that is giving away, I think it's plasma maybe. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. With myself as, you know, a biased Hawks fan, we see him as a bit of a pest on the court. <laughs> He's really giving back to the, the world, not just mm-hmm. his community. Exactly. Um, exactly. And, you know, so I thought that was really amazing. And it really shows these people's true personalities um, outside of what we see from them on the basketball court. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I, it's, it's an impressive group of men and, and they never let me down. So players have been working on, you know, kind of their own personal endeavors or their own passion projects kind of right now. Um, Vince, you know, he's also a Mm -hmm. almost pro golfer, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's been working on his golf game, but, you know, we see guys working on gaming and businesses and all that. How have you guys been involved with, you know, helping them pursue these outside activities? Uh, I mean, one of the things that I love about, about our guys is, um, you know, obviously they're phenomenal basketball players and, and, and that goes without saying, but the diversity of interests that they have um, outside of basketball is really quite impressive. I had no, I really had not until I got my current position and not really focused on, for example, some of the entrepreneurial interests that our players have. Um, this player, the players Obviously, they, 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 they're more compensated, but it's not simply, well, I made a lot of money, therefore I've arrived. I, I enjoy watching them think about ways to 
uh, make their money grow. I mean, there are opportunities to create generational wealth that these guys have. I mean, they can their grandchildren's grandchildren, if they would manage their money properly, will be will be fine. And so, you know, one of the things that we that is the PA believes is part of its mandate is to not simply help guys get rich, but help guys stay rich. Financial literacy is a way at the top of our list of things we want to make sure we're providing support to our players about. So, and, and, and again, as you know, this beginning at the rookie stage and continuing through meetings throughout the year, and which always trying to provide information and, and help and support and guidance on how to sort of manage your money. The most recent thing, which I'm per- personally proud of is we're doing something akin to a shark tank for those players that we have that are interested in starting their own companies. Um, we're calling it the player accelerator camp player accelerator program. And we've literally got about 15 guys that have their own little seed companies that we're going to provide mentorships to, um, to help them sort of figure out how to, to manage these new ventures, help them prepare pitch presentations and actually have an investor day where potential investors, just like Shark Tank you see on TV, will be in the audience and be able to pose questions and watch presentations by these players um, in an effort to secure some seed money. Um, The good news is it's not simply to get money. It's nice to see players being... Uh, being able to get money from somebody as opposed to always try, people trying to get money from them. But, but even the process of getting them, the, the preparation for the pitch is a learning process for guys. You know, what does it mean to try to start a, a new business? What kinds of uh, business plan got to look like? What kinds of commitments do you have to make? How do you think about even scaling it? What, what relationships? So that is uh, the most recent thing we're doing in, the, in this space, but we're always trying to try to figure out ways to tap into the interests that our players have and give them support um, for things that don't have anything to do with life on the court. They pretty much know how to play the game. I, I don't, there's not much the PA can do about their skill sets because they're the best players in the world, but it's the other stuff that we try very hard to to be able to compliment the players. Also, to add to that, I think it's pretty cool for fans like, you know, like Andy, you said you're biased, you know, Hawks fan, but I think fans and just people in general now get to see these fierce competitors, guys who go after each other, you know, night in and night out, join together to start these different tournaments, like the, the Call of Duty tournaments. I mean, I'm not a, a gamer like that. You see the different I mean, you just see guys from different conferences, um, the stars of stars linking together to do so. So it's just, you know, you may not be a big fan of them, but like you have to respect like these guys are, you know, at the end of the day doing great things and coming together to just, there's no basketball. So I, I think you get to see your favorite player joining with maybe who you consider a villain <laughs> joining <laughs> together with something cool, which everybody still wants to watch. I mean, we're seeing these different uh, IG live uh, things going on. Like, I think it's just great what, what a lot of the celebrities are doing to just, you know, just to keep people home and keep them interested and keep them engaged and just doing the right thing. So, you know, shout out to all the young guys out there that, you know, that I know personally do, doing great things. Unfortunately, I'm not a gamer, so I can't be a part of that. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Grand, grandpa. 
you know, I could do the golf fees, but like, as far as like, I mean, but this, these guys are like already big, you know, they play video games all the time. So what better way to do that is tournaments where that can relate to all these young kids who are sitting at home. I'm, I'm so enjoying social media right now because it's, it, you now you're right. You're seeing players in a different light. They're having fun and I'm having fun watching them, having fun, doing something different. I, you know, it's, it's, I guess the, the silver lining in this horrible circumstance that we're in, but they're flourishing in ways that are, are unique. In a weird way, it's just, it's just going to grow their celebrity, you know, and regardless of if you're on the local team of someone, they're going to appreciate you because they felt like they connected you by watching you on your IG live or watching you doing the, the different tournaments and, you know, all of these PSAs and just whatever the case may be. I, I think this is, an unfortunate time and situation, but it's, it's going to other side of it's going to really help. I think the league and individual player as well. I, I couldn't agree more. I, one of the reasons that NBA players um, have such large followings on social media is because as has been demonstrated time and time again, uh, our fans want to know more about us. It's not, it's not just that, you know, that, that, that 48 minutes on the court, they want to know everything there is to know to know about our players, and to the extent they're able to get a, a, a look at players um, in a different light because of you know, the virus. Um, that is that is again one of the silver linings, and so I've enjoyed it. I, I was watching a couple of days ago two of our players. One was a North Carolina guy uh, arguing with the with the Duke guy about their college. And it was fabulous. It was just fabulous to watch them talk about you know, that 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 part of their careers, which were way over. I mean, these are not these are not sophomores and rookies. These are guys, you know, almost, almost as old as you, Vince. Sounds <laughs> like Grant and I all often. We we miss each other in college. We still argue about it. <laughs> so, so it's been a lot of fun, you know, watching guys just to talk to each other in, in ways that we don't see ordinarily. I mean, it's. I, I do want us to get back to play. I'm not going to lie. But until then, there's, there's enough stuff to keep us occupied, I think. Yes, it, I told him it just reminds me of the old days uh, of when there was no social media. And when, when as a kid, you had to play in the yard. And you say hello to your neighbor because they're walking by. It was just different. You know, you had a few channels on TV, but you go outside, you be a kid and, and active outside. And then there weren't as many spots to go to. Yes, there were eating spots, but it wasn't, a speakeasy or, you know, any of the hookah bars. Or it, it's just like, oh, I can, I can go down the street and meet up and go ride bikes or play in the yard, their yard or, you know, things like that. So it's kind of, it reminds me, you know, then the older generation who can relate reminds me of that makes you get to know yourself and find ways to really grow yourself, you know, as a, as a human being and, and, and find your inner kid, you know, uh, because I, I think you have to do that. You know, I find myself like, Drawing with my kid on, uh, in the yard with with crayons. I mean, I would never do that. <laughs> like that, you know, it's just things like that you find. And you know, I, I've learned that I'm I'm not a great artist. I can't draw. <laughs> you know, this thing it's fun and it's different and it's it's challenging. And I think that's what we need is a, a some a challenge uh, in this time. You know, with the downtime, so it's been cool for me personally. It's it's forced us all to take um, a breath. Because um, we don't have now, we have time to actually think about some of the things we not thought about. Do some of the things we thought we didn't have time to do. And for me, I mean, it's been—I didn't realize how how much 
I moved. I really had no idea how much I moved until I couldn't move anymore. I didn't realize how much I didn't eat until I got home now, gaining 15 pounds a second. Right. So it's, it's, um, and maybe it's, maybe it's just the break some of us needed in order to just take stock of where we were and where we were going and where we shouldn't be going and all that. So I'm, I'm trying to keep a, and I'll add to that. I'll be interested to see not even just the, you know, obviously the basketball world, but just people in general, but obviously celebrities, let's just say celebrities who are, like you said, moving all the time. Uh, it'll be interesting when this is over, where we get back to our normal lives, if you would, to see what that individual, that celebrity, let's just say for a conversation purpose, that celebrity learned about themselves in this time, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, good, yeah. good and bad. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it'd be interesting to see what, what, you know, we learn and I'm, you know, continuing to learn about myself. Uh, I was already a homebody, but now, you know, it's one thing being a homebody, but yet you can go somewhere when you want to. Now you're stuck at home and you can't go anywhere. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 um, I, cause I, I plan to retire soon. And I remember thinking at some point, oh hell, this is retirement. I'm not ready to retire. I'm not ready to retire, but it's not because it's so different. I can't do, I mean, I've got all this time that I didn't have, I guess, but it's, it's at least allowed me to think about, okay, when you do retire, what are you going to do? You're not going to be stuck in the, in the, in the, in the house. What are you going to do? And I've, I've made a list of like 25 things that I, I want to do that I would not have thought about had I not been stuck in this, this, this apartment for the last 10, 15 days. So um, I'm actually, uh, I, 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 st- I still would have rather avoided it, but having had, having had it happen, it's not been the worst thing in the world. Today's episode of Winging It on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Just like basketball, the game of life is unpredictable. Talk to a State Farm agent and get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. Vince, obviously we're living in a lot of unexpected right now, but just tell me one thing that happened this season outside of coronavirus that was quite unexpected for you. Personally, me personally, you know, looking to ride the wave of, of a long career and enjoy it, you know, friends, family, and teammates and otherwise, and I think the unexpected loss of, of, of friends along the way has been a blow and just made this season very interesting. You know, with the passing of my friend uh, Kobe on my birthday and with the season coming to a, a brief halt, 15 or so games left, it's just been an interesting, unexpected season. You know, I, I think every player who has planned for a retirement season or, you know, just final season, let's say, it's usually smooth sailing and, and you know, an emotional roller coaster, you know, for whatever reason. But I think it's been unexpectedly a little more emotional than I was prepared for. Get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. Talk to a State Farm agent today. Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I just wanted to make sure you were listening to podcasts on Spotify. Here's how you do it. First, search for your favorite podcast on Spotify's app. They have a library of over 750,000 pods at this point. So let's say you're searching for the Rewatchables or the Dave Chang Show or the Ringer NBA Show. Once you find them, click on the follow button. That's how you subscribe. Then click on those letters near the top of the app that say podcasts. All the pods you're following will pop up separated by episodes, downloads, and shows. Wait, it gets better. On Spotify, you can adjust the speed 
the pods to seven different speeds. 0.5 times is the slowest. I actually sound drunk at 0.5. You can do 0.8 times, 1.2 times, which is my favorite. Everyone sounds like they just had a good cup of coffee. And then there's 1.5 times, two times. And if you're completely insane, three times. Anyway, Spotify's app connects directly to many of the best automobiles in the world. It even has a CarPlay feature. That's pretty cool. Best of all, it's free. Download Spotify on any device and you're good to go. Should you be embarrassed that you're not listening to podcasts on Spotify? Well, I don't want to app shame you, but the answer, unfortunately, is yes. Make the move. Listen to podcasts on Spotify. Back to yours. Yeah, so this, have you discovered a new hobby now that you've been at home this long, like these two weeks? Or something like that. You know what? I do actually like doing this. Or this is my newfound hobby interest. You know what? Even better. I used to be an avid reader. I mean, I'm talking about books, not right online. And I've always continued to buy books because I'd love to read. I haven't read a book in three and a half years until last week. I mean, I've literally continued to order books, but I've not sat down in my living room and opened a book and read it in three and a half years. And, I've re- and I've, I'm reading again, and it's just delightful. I'd forgotten. I mean, I was always intended to get back to it, but for some reason never did. I'd, I'd always turn the TV on or maybe listen to a podcast, um, but I hadn't opened a book. And as I was wandering my apartment, thinking I'm going to lose my mind, I picked up a book. And when I thought back about it, I said, you know, you've got to be kidding. Three and a half years. So I'm reading again. Quarantine is getting you and Vince potentially ready for a future of retirement. Um, <laughs> uh, this has got 10 more years. <laughs> <laughs> I know you have to go soon. I just have a couple more questions and then I want to talk about you and Vince and kind of how you've come this far. But I know a lot of this is private and information, but there's been a lot of talk on social media and on TV about how players' salaries could be getting impacted by coronavirus and, yeah. you know, the suspension of the league. And I know, all you know, there's a lot of numbers. And if you ask Vince, numbers are not my thing. But how has this been kind of affecting your talks with agents and players and salaries and all that right now? Well, it's no secret um, that in our CBA, um, there is a provision that says, essentially, you know, spare you all the legalese, but essentially says that in the event games cannot be played because of circumstances beyond the control of the league, then the league is entitled to essentially, in my words, tax players a certain percentage of their contracts to make up for missed games. And, and, and if there's a formula in there and you, know, you can sort of do the math depending upon the size of your contract and the number of games that are missed. And so that's just in there. It's called force majeure. And I won't be on, don't want to be more technical than that. That is a provision that has not yet been invoked by the league. Um, the good news is that the league continues to maintain, as we all do, uh, hope and optimism that we can resume play. And if that happens, um, then this provision need not be invoked. But if it is invoked and or we do lose games, there's going to be a financial cost to the players. And the players know that. And one of the one of the, the questions I'm asked most frequently by players is, you know, Michelle, what's the likelihood of that happening? If it happens, how much? Um, and so, and the answer is it can happen. Obviously we can't play games if there's going to be 
a, a maximum number of people that can be congregated in one space. Right now, what is it? The recommendation is no more than 10 or 50. We can't play games under circumstances like that, even without fans. Um, but hope springs eternal. And as the, hopefully as things, the tide turns, the theory is that you know, with the passage of time, maybe in the early summer, we can resume play. And if that happens, the fewer games that have to be missed, the less money players will have to. And that's what I was going to ask you. That doesn't really kick in until it's decided on the this, this season. That's that's technically correct. There, there are ways we can try to anticipate that happening. I mean, the one thing, and Vince still remember this, when, when there's a lockout, players get no checks, right? There's no checks. One of the things we're trying to avoid is that happening, that players just don't get checks. And so, and, and there's been some media reporting on this. There's been some discussion, um, nothing, nothing concrete, but there's been some discussion about maybe trying to reduce checks a little bit to sort of make sure that, you know, that, that even if we reasonably conclude that some money has to be, has, is not going to be paid, that we just reduce checks a little bit. And so there's a little bit of that going on um, in terms of discussion. But the, the goal is to play as many games as possible. And um, if, if even as we sort of see the writing on the wall and conclude that we can't play as many games um, as the, ordin- the ordinary season would allow, that we not just stop checks. So we're talking about ways to sort of soften the blow if there is going to be a blow. But you are correct. Um, until the, the league concludes that the season is gone, there's no right to do that. There's no right to reduce checks. There's no right to stop checks. Um, and we're just trying to figure out, you know, what makes sense for for all parties involved. Right. And I, I have one more thing today. I'm just, I, I'm, if it does resume, I'm interested, you know, me personally, I I've seen some people say it, but I'm interested to see how you guys are going to handle how, how the games you play. Do you play, let's, let's say there's, five games to be played. How do you handle that? You know, do you play, you take it from where you were left off or do you take the last five games of the season? I know you have a lot of things to, um, to figure out. I was just curious. That's one of the things I was curious. I mean, I'm sure there's no answer, not even close to it, but I know that like we have a lot of questions as players, you know, that's probably me. <laughs> How do you handle that? I think the first thing that has to happen is we've got to have the, the the physical space and 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 rules that will allow us to play. So, you know, the physical space meaning we got to make sure it's someplace that's safe. We're not going back to Madison Square Garden and having a full arena. I mean, that's I, I think that's we can all agree that when we resume play, if we do it before the next season, it will likely not be in arenas filled with fans. I mean, that's just not going to happen because there's no state that's going to say, okay, you can have 12,000 people in an arena again. It's not going to happen. So the games will look like a golf tournament, for lack of a better word, without the fans. I mean, it's going to be in a fanless arena um, in a place where the at least 250 people can be there, right? Because we got to have enough space, got to have enough, um, got all the teams, all the players, you know, some training, some some physicians, you know, cameras, because it's going to be televised. So you got to have at least a state that says, okay, you can have more than 50 people congregating. Um, there will be no fans. The ability to have a full regular season resumption 
It depends again on the calendar. Um, if, if, the, if the virus continues to spike and we're now in, in, in early June and there's no relief, resuming a regular season probably means having elimination games um, as opposed to a full regular season. Um, it may be that we're not even talking about a regular season. We're talking about only playoffs. And we just assume that the, 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 seed, the seedings are what the seedings were at the time that we stopped. The, so you know, the, all sorts of iterations. Um, I'm just trying to make sure we have games and as many games as possible. And if we have to be creative in, in terms of you know, how the, the, this new regular season resumption would look or how this new playoff season would look, um, fine. And we'll be as flexible as we have to be and can be. The goal is to avoid having no games. That to me is the, is the doomsday scenario. And is there any, if you can tell us, um, you know, we've, we've heard stuff about everyone going to Vegas or Mm -hmm. I even heard something about like everyone going on a cruise ship or something. Yeah. All that that stuff is, is actually, it's crazy. Some of it sounds, it's all under consideration because, because, you know, it's gotta, it's gotta first and foremost be safe. And so you've got to find a a facility, a venue that we can essentially quarantine um, to keep our guys safe, to keep the staff safe. So it's gotta be someplace that's off the beaten path of sorts. Now Vegas doesn't sound like it's off the beaten path because it's not, but they've got a ton of hotels that are sitting empty that can be made into quarantined facilities. So that, that is, not a not a bad place to be looking at, but it really just needs to be someplace that's that's got the ability to accommodate teams, the ability to be quarantined, um, and if, you know they have been talking about some, some some battleships, which is kind of crazy crazy to me. But you know, as long as it's not a cruise ship, I think our guys might be might be inclined to do it. But it's not it's not it's not the case that it's impossible to imagine more, more games. It, that's not the case at all, but it just it depends upon a number of different variables, some of which are and some of which are not within our control. But the key variable is we've got to be able to have several hundred people in, in, in a single space. Um, and, and right now, there are very few places that will allow that. And so hopefully that's going to change in the next you know, 30, 45 days and we can begin to plan accordingly. But that's the biggest, that's the biggest obstacle right now. So do you see those 30, 45 days being kind of the time period when you guys hope to make, be making a decision? Mm-hmm. I do. I do. I mean, you know, I spend, uh, I can't imagine less time. Um, and I wouldn't suggest more time than, than Adam watching what's going on nationally. Um, just watching that, that number. When I remember, I guess it was California that said, well, you can't have more than 150 people in a, in a single venue. And I said, that, but we're dead. Uh, we can't play any games in California, even without fans. Then I heard 250. And so we began to figure out, well, how many do we need? Um, I think the number is between 250 and three to be able to, to, to do a game. So now we're you know, just sort of watching every state like a hawk to see which state is going to be inclined to allow that? Probably not New York, given what's going on in New York right now. But, you know, we've got 50 states. And so um, I, I, I am of the view that we will, in, in 45 days, find a, find someplace. Probably odd cities, like non-NBA cities, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. I think that's right, Vince. I really do. I think it will be a non-NBA city, but we got to have a non-NBA city to kind of accommodate, you know. I think most teams missed out on 12 games. If it means having only five games for the regular season, 
fine, we'll take it, right? If it means taking the playoffs rather than have the usual best of seven format, we have the best of five format, fine, yeah, we'll take it. This season's going to have an asterisk no matter what because it's, right, it's, it's already crazy. But we just want to we just want to resume play. Within that 250, uh, this is, I mean, not getting too technical, would, and I know you probably haven't thought about this, but would, uh, let's see, immediate family be allowed in stands? Or when you say 250, it's just players? I'm, I'm talking players, staff, officials. And that's it. And, and that's it. I mean, it, 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 it's surprising to realize how many, and you, and, and you think about it, you've been doing this for a long time, how many people are required to just do a game. Oh yeah, exactly. Just to do a game, yeah, equipment, people, all that, and and security. Even that's that's important too. Mm-hmm. And then you got to have medical staff. You got to be testing guys to make sure no one's sick. So it's not a not. I'm not talking about Adam being there or me being there. We're just talking about the, about the, the players yeah. and the staff that needs to help get this game going. Yeah, because I noticed that uh, the WWE was still. Uh, I flicked on um, Monday Night Raw, and they were still doing their thing with nobody in the stands. It was the weirdest thing to see. <laughs> it is. It is. And and it'll be, it'll be odd. It'll be odd to watch these games play without fans, but the alternative is to not play. Which guys don't want to do. <laughs> exactly. You know, I did the social media for the Hawks. And so we all like to think of ourselves as essential staff, but when it comes down to it, it's literally just who actually needs to be there, not who we want to be there. It's who needs to so I'm going to eliminate the majority of us. <laughs> um, but before we let you go, I want to kind of turn things back to Vince. I know that, um, <laughs> as he turns with that, <laughs> um, Michelle, I'm just curious to know from you, uh, the impact that you've seen Vince have on the league. And um, I'm sure, you know, he's my podcast partner, so I speak very highly of him, but he seems to be, you know, the ideal player uh, when it comes to how you would want your players and the players association to be. So just talk about the impact he's really had on the league and on the players association. Yeah, you know, it always cracks me up when Ben talks about how old he is. He's such a fool. <laughs> <laughs> he is such a baby. Yeah. Now, I, admittedly, you know, obviously you've been playing a long time and I'm not surprised because you're one of these players that we always knew would play a long time given the skill set. I'm delighted a, a, a lot by the job I had because I get to meet all these fabulous guys. But meeting Vince was one of the highlights of, of, my, of my career as the executive director. The Watching him play has been a joy, obviously, for us and for, for all of our fans. Watching him as a vet has been interesting to me, and especially with Atlanta. I mean, I've gone to a couple of, Vince knows we have these team meetings where every year I go and do a, a meeting with every team. One of my favorite moments, Vince, I mean, you'll, you'll not remember this at all. Um, Trey was trying to open a bottle of Perrier and it, <laughs> there was a can, a can opener, a bottle opener. And you know, Trey tries to, to, to twist it off and he can't because it's not one of those twisties. And he, he picks up the bottle opener and he has no idea what it is, right? And I'm, I'm just sitting there and I watch Vince go over to him and say, you know, give me that young. And he opens it and Trey acts as if he'd just seen a, a miracle. And he, had no, he had no idea what this contraption was <laughs> and, and how. And he said, after Vince opened it, he said, oh, cool. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yes. It was, it was just hysterical. And I remember thinking, um, when I watch you 
play. You know, and and, and I, none of us is as young as we went, we once were. Um, but that sparkle that you have, both in your eyes and in your game, is is, is something that not only did those of us who've been been here and blessed to watch you for years know, but the other the young players do too. You are an invaluable uh, member of the PA and, and the game, um, and Atlanta has a good sense to appreciate that and, and, and knows how much you contribute to that locker room. Uh, these young players are so blessed by having your wisdom. And uh, as I say, uh, uh, give them another 10 years. We, we'd love it. And the one thing I will say, I'll say this and I'll stop, when there was this bit of a movement to get you to play in the dunk contest, I said, I said, please don't do it. Thank you. <laughs> I said, please don't do it. Because <laughs> I, I said, because I'll, if you do it, then I'm going to believe that you, you think you can dunk the same way you did 20 years ago. And if, and I was going to, I was going to be prepared to believe that Vince. Like if he believes it, I'm going to believe it with him. <laughs> I said. I said if he if he says he'll do it, then that means this brother says, it. "Yeah, I I got the same spunk I had 20 years ago." But but I said to myself, "But don't be wrong. <laughs> Just don't be wrong." And he can attest to that. I told that's one of the things I said. <laughs> no, it's wrong. You know. Well, I guess we found the one person that agrees with you, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> We all wanted to see it, obviously, but I think, you know, you understand over the 22 years how his body has perhaps changed and maybe, you know, it would have been great either way, but we understand wanting to. Either way, but that's my point. He thinks that he thinks that he's old. I know what it means to be old. (laughs) And the good news is that being old means you're still alive. (laughs) No, you are. You are a Hall of Famer. I can't wait to see inducted. You're the greatest. Thank you. Oh, I love seeing Vince uncomfortable. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vince, do you have any more questions or comments from Michelle before we let her go? That's it for me, man. I appreciate you for coming on and and, and doing this. This is this is huge. This is great. Oh, it's my pleasure. Sorry for the technical difficulties, but um, no. <laughs> that's that's what I do. I I screw up tech, technology all the time. All right, all right. Thanks, guys. I look Thank forward you. to seeing you after, after the. Uh, I'll be, okay. I'll be around. I'll be around. Okay, I'll look for you. Take care. You know that. You know I'm gonna be around somehow. I know you will. You better talk to you soon. Thank okay. you so much, Michelle. Thank you. Bye bye. All right. Well, that is a wrap on another edition of the Winging It podcast with Vince Carter. We had our great guest on, Michelle Roberts. Thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget to do what? Five stars. Give us five stars. Give us some recommendations of who you want to hear from on this quarantine pod, and we will talk to you next time. Later.